Welcome to the Think Yourself Healthy podcast, where we challenge you to think differently about your approach to health and wellness. My name is Heather Duranja, and I'm excited to be here with you to take you on the journey from surviving to thriving. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, I have special guest Sal Ricali. Sal is a teacher, healer, mystic, and priest with almost 45 years experience in the human potential movement. He is the author of multiple publications and conducts numerous workshops and seminars around the world on the topics of healing and ascension. His timeline healing is a unique form of therapy that enables souls to heal trauma from early childhood and past lives. Sal is also an accomplished pianist with several recordings of original meditative music. Thank you for being with us today, Sal. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here and to uh, help enlighten the viewers uh, in any way that I can. We need it, my friend. Yeah, I kind of noticed the world's not been in a very good place lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure hasn't. It's kind of a funny story how, um, how we came across your book. I have a friend who was up in Northern California thrift shopping, and they were in a thrift shop, and they were like looking around, and they're like, nah, I don't see anything in here. And then out of the corner of his eye, he looked over, and your book was right there, and it immediately grabbed his attention. He walked over, looked, opened it up, saw the contents, what, you know, the index of what was included, took a screenshot, sent it to me. And within a matter of minutes, I found your website. I downloaded your book and immediately got to work. I lost like two weeks of my life, just literally every moment I had just reading through all of your, um, all of your books and the information. It's, it's amazing work. Thank you. Well, thanks again. And uh, so I guess we're going to discuss maybe a few of the topics today. Yes, if you are open to that, I would absolutely love to. I think there's a lot of misconception um, of things that are going on right now in the world. There's a lot of confusion. What's happening in the spiritual community is just, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Well, it is. Um, and I'll, I'll just jump right in with a couple of recent disappointments. Uh, I am in actively looking at spiritual communities right now because I'm I've lived in some, I've visited many, and uh, so far I have not seen the level of consciousness that's necessary to really have a truly successful spiritual community. Now, I've been to some of the most successful ones like Domenhur in Italy, and I was frankly bored, and I hardly ever get bored. Uh, you, you have to be there 20 years before you learn the kind of stuff that I already know, for example. Mm -hmm. But for somebody just starting out, it might have several really good benefits. Yeah. But even there, there was a heavy reliance on fossil fuels, uh, automobiles, and, uh, and just... Uh, I've, I've been to a couple of communities recently where they're all freaked out about COVID and you have to do, do this before you come here, you know, make sure you get your test and all this kind of stuff. And it doesn't seem to be coming from God's love. It seems to be coming more from fear. And so hopefully we can maybe discuss some ways of moving people out of fear because there is a deadly pandemic. It's called fearitis. I like that. 
<laughs> and it is, it's killing a lot of people and it will continue to kill a lot of people because uh, fear uh, destroys the immune system among other things. <laughs> Yes. Remember the immune system? It's this it's this obscure little thing we have that keeps us healthy. <laughs> right. It's so hard to imagine that. <laughs> well, mean, if you if you were to watch the mainstream media, you maybe you'd hear about the immune system once a month in passing or mm -hmm. something like that. <laughs> right. It's, you know, I, I specialize in the health field. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and I, for the last 27 years, have really been promoting taking care of ourselves, getting back to basics. I got diagnosed with a chronic disease in 1993, and the doctors told me I only had a five-year prognosis, and I would either be on dialysis, transplant, or dead. And there was an intuitive feeling within me that said, I can't accept that as my reality. And with a blessing, I, I could not get health insurance. And at the time I was devastated. What am I going to do? How am I going to figure this out? But the reality is it was the best thing that could have happened for me because it forced me to have to open my eyes to the possibilities and think outside of Western medicine. And I'm happy to announce that 27 years later, I am per picture of health. And so that's where my, um, my real awakening started to happen was within my own power of taking control of my health. For me, the last part of, of this, well, I shouldn't say the last, the most recent part of the journey was really understanding that we are a creation of God. I was in denial for a very long time of accepting that I was one with God and God was one with me. I had been raised with a Catholic background and there was a lot of shame and guilt that I harbored uh, from many of the teachings that were expressed and adopted in that religious community. And um, over the last five years, I've dropped all of those things out. And it, it, it's amazing what has transpired since. So I was so excited to come across your work because I feel as if you truly have a foundational knowledge of, of what's happening to us and where we're going and what we need to do to intervene in order to secure the highest timeline for the greatest good. Great, well, that sounds like a, like a good place to start. And, and I wanna actually quote the Bible just for a moment because uh, Genesis chapter one says we're created in the image and likeness of God, but how many so-called Christians actually go deeply into that statement? What does this really mean to be created in the image and likeness of God? Does it mean there's a bearded man sitting on a cloud and we look sort of like that bearded man? I don't think that's it. <laughs> and uh, what it means is that we have the same creative attributes that created the entire universe. We are like literally children of God capable of creating entire universes, as it says in, in the books. And uh, have we reached that potential? Obviously not. Maybe we've reached a tiny, tiny fraction of that potential. Mm -hmm. uh, even modern science says we've only used two or three percent of our brain capacity. It's actually less than that, but that's uh, 
you know, gives you some idea of, um, and, and I, I like to joke around and say, well, maybe I'm using 1% of my brain capacity. Maybe Jesus learned how to use 2% of his, you know? Yeah. So do you think that it's by design that we are incapable of fully expanding our brain capacity and utilizing the, the innate knowledge that we were gifted with? Well, when I look at the mathematics of, of human brain capacity, it's, it's an absolute mind blower, pardon the pun. Uh, and I even give a number in one of my books, uh, 10 log 10 to the 98th power. That's a number that would take 250,000 years to write it out longhand on a piece of paper, like one comma zero, 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 comma, zero, 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 comma. And you're still writing the number thousands and thousands of years from now. It's stretching around the earth uh, on a 12-point font, you know. <laughs> it is and such an, a mind-blowing number. It is, absolutely. When I got to that part in your book, I, I literally sat there and kind of stopped and tried to put that in perspective. And my brain did not have the capability of comprehending that full image. So the question is, why would we be given this nearly infinite brain capacity if we were supposed to spend our days, you know, working at a job we don't like, trying to pay our bills, arguing with our spouse, or whatever the average person is doing? <laughs> I, I'm making it sound a little bit pessimistic, but that's three-fourths of humanity. Um, three-fourths of humanity right now are afraid of a virus or they're afraid of a million other things. And they blindly believe what's on the television and the so-called authorities and, you know, so on and so forth. So obviously they're using a very tiny part of their brain and you and I are maybe using a little bit bigger, tiny part. Mm -hmm. Correct. But still tiny. <laughs> you have a fascinating story, Sal. You know, when I was reading Cut Life on the Cutting Edge and you were doing the introduction of how you came about to where you are today, or this was based back in the 80s, I actually read the updated version, um, the newer version that you had amended. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, this man in the early, late, mid, or mid 70s, has his awakening, starts to gain this knowledge that most of society does not have or will not accept. How do you keep going through life? Well, uh, for one thing, there's no end to learning. And the day you stop learning is the day you start dying, basically. Um, if there's a secret to everlasting life, it's to continuously learn something new. Uh, we all tend to be creatures of habit. We fall into routine and even, even so-called enlightened beings usually have their routines, whether it's uh, meditating for an hour every morning or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I've had a, I had a series of very powerful awakenings in the 70s and early 80s. And they, they sort of subsided a bit after that because I was no longer in receiving mode, I was more in giving mode after that. And you could say, I don't believe in sacrifice, but it sometimes feels like a bit of a sacrifice when you're in giving mode so often that you barely have time to receive. 
And yet that's kind of been the last uh, 30 years uh, has been, well, really since the mid 80s, but, uh, but really uh, mid 90s, we'll say. So maybe about the last 25 years. Um, I've been primarily focused on giving out knowledge, wisdom, information, uh, healing. And so I don't get as many of those revelations that I used to get, but there's a deep underlying knowingness of my oneness with God. And I think that's the most important thing anyway. It's not having these amazing experiences where you go out of body or some being comes to you or you, you have energy rushes or things like that, which are still part of my reality, but they're not as predominant as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Not as dominant as they used to be. Now it's more a deep inner knowingness that, that I'm one with God, that I'm an expression of God, that, uh, uh, that God expresses through me and through you and through everybody. And that also helps me stay out of judgment. You know, there's certainly a lot of potential for judgment in the world. I could take a look at, uh, you know, some of the ridiculous things that are going on. Uh, people are, well, for example, uh, the so-called medical authorities that uh, are so focused on attacking some uh, virus that wants to attack us and that they really don't even understand the immune system or if they do, they're intentionally suppressing the information. So it would be so tempted for me to judge them. Instead, it's like, I, I'm, well, they're children of God. They may be misguided by their own hand or by the hand of someone else. They may even be practicing evil in quotes, meaning that intentionally misleading people for their own selfish purposes, but they're still children of God. And therefore I'm here to send love and compassion, not to condemn. Mm-hmm. It's challenging to not condemn. Now, I, that doesn't mean that I accept their bad behavior. I mean, uh, Dr. Fauci should probably be in Gitmo, you know, uh, and along with his buddy, Bill Gates and a few others. But, uh, you know, that's, that's di- a different story. They're still children of God. They still deserve love, but they also probably need to be locked up. <laughs> as an example. <laughs> so it's it's a question of, and this is basic psychology, separating the person from the behavior. You know, this is a beautiful person who deserves love and they're behaving badly and there's consequences for bad behavior. So that approach, I think, is, is one of the uh, results of the work that I've been doing to, to be able to stay as free of the matrix as I possibly can on an emotional and mental level. Granted, it's difficult to do that on a physical level because we, unless we've become breatharians where we can exist without food and water, and maybe we don't care what environment we're in because our, we've transcended hot and cold and all that. If that's not the case, and that's not the case for almost every human being, then we still depend on things like uh, the grocery store, the supermarket, uh, um, you know, housing, all of the things which are tightly regulated by the matrix, by the, the marketplace, the monetary system, et cetera. So it's, it's challenging, very challenging. Uh, if you have an, a self-sufficient community out in the middle of nowhere, you're producing all your own energy, then you're a little bit freer on a physical level. But Anybody can be free on an emotional and mental level if they do the work on themselves. And this includes people who are sitting in prison. Mm 
They may not be able to do as much physically as people who are not sitting in prison, but they uh, have the ability to be free mentally and emotionally. And many times you hear about people who attain some state of enlightenment while they're in prison. So I actually, yeah. Yeah, I, I know that firsthand through um, experience with experiences with loved ones. Mm -hmm. that, that is very true. So Sal, can you describe to the audience in a simplistic way what ascension is and where what we're going through, how it's applicable to what we're experiencing right now? Okay, well, there's two kinds of ascension, spiritual ascension and physical ascension. Spiritual ascension is relatively easy to achieve. Um, it basically involves clearing all your karma and having absolute choice within the free will domain of staying or leaving the earth, uh, choosing when you want to leave your body, how you want to leave your body, whether or not you want to come back to earth, because you're not here to work through past karma or things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's spiritual ascension. A, lo a lot of souls have achieved that. A lot of souls will achieve that in the immediate future. The other is physical ascension, which is much more difficult. And this is where you take the body directly into the higher dimensions without going through the death process. Right now, I've been told that only about 26 human beings that are alive today have achieved the crystal light body uh, which is called the level five or fifth density physical body, uh, which eventually uh, transforms from a carbon-based body, mortal body to a silicon-based immortal body. I go through a little bit of the details of that in the books. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's quite a big science and I haven't really taken it apart and analyzed the, the, the various things, but we have this thing called the Ascension Template which is an automated program which converts us into the light body format. And there's several precursors. The ability to become a breatharian would be one of the precursors, you know, to, uh, I find that I require less and less food as, as the years go by. Um, I still enjoy eating, we still go out, we still, you know, have things, but I find that I don't need to eat as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. And that, that may be a, an example of, of call it an ascension symptom, if you will. Um, and you can go into different environments and be relatively unaffected. Uh, a lot of people who do the kind of work I do complain about how they're taking on the energy of their clients and they're getting exhausted easily. And that generally doesn't happen to me. Of course, I also, uh, in the spirit of receiving as well as giving do limit how many people I work with. So I don't do work from sunup till sundown one after another, although I probably could, could create that number of clients to be able to do that, but I choose not to. Uh, I choose quality over quantity. And so, so those are a few of the, uh, you know, we have some people say they get, they get headaches or they get shivers up and down the spine. They feel like they're like an electrical circuit, all tingly inside. Um, time changes its meaning. It's either going racing by or it's plodding by. So these could be what you call ascension symptoms. Um, 
But the basic one is the transcending of the matrix. It's very difficult to ascend if your happiness depends on what your spouse does or your employer, or whether you're getting this amount of money from an investment, or whether you've taken a vaccine or a, or a uh, test or, you know, anything else that's external from the world, you know, your, your happiness should not depend on that. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to our spiritual um, and physical ascension process, I'd like to talk a little bit about the spiritual part and some of the things that are holding us back from being able to achieve that. In your book, Life on the Cutting Edge, you go into depth about codependency and narcissism programs, fear, shame, guilt. So these, I know for myself, these were part of the last steps to help clear the attachment to those things to break the cycles so that I would have the ability to move forward. Can you kind of explain to the audience um, what's going on with this, where this is coming from, how it got integrated into our DNA, and what kind of steps we can take to start clearing? Okay, well, first of all, in, in Life on the Cutting Edge, I believe it's chapter four, I go into a lot of depth about core negative beliefs. We look at the tree of fear, the circle of fear, the proof that fear is an illusion. There's a lot of things around fear. And in fact, I, I have a popular workshop I'm doing these days on how to be free of fear. And people need to, first of all, understand the difference between the self-preservation instinct of the physical body and psychological fear. I mean, if somebody's pointing a gun at your head or a truck is about to run over you because you're in the middle of the road, that's a real danger. And you're going to have a reaction in your body to preserve the body, whatever that reaction is. It might be doing what the person with the gun asks you to do. It might be just being very heightened and focused and aware of every little detail of what's going on. It might be diving out off the road to get out of the way of the truck. But that's not the type of fear we're we're dealing with here. We're dealing with irrational psychological fears. For example, a five-year-old can figure out that the statistics indicate that the COVID is barely worse than the flu. For, for older people, maybe it's a little worse. For younger people, it's not as bad. And yet the whole planet locks down over something that's barely worse than the flu. And if you take care of yourself, you're a young person, you, you take your vitamins, you get outdoors, you have, you have positive thoughts, basically you're not at risk. And so why would you be in fear? It would be irrational or illogical to be in fear over this, this virus. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, for a long time, you go out and you see people jogging with a mask on or bicycling with a mask on or driving alone in their car with a mask on or, or just being afraid, you know, to come out of their house even or something like that. And so that's an example of an irrational fear. And so we have to start by recognizing the difference between a real danger and a psychological fear. And, and often psychological fears are based on traumas that happened in early childhood. So I have this technique, timeline healing, which is a form of therapy where you go back into the past and give your past selves that experienced trauma, a healing in real time, meaning that let's say you had a traumatic experience at age five, 
you go back in time to when you were at age five and you give your five-year-old self a healing. This is kind of uh, uses the springboard board of inner child work in, in psychotherapy. So that's kind of like one of the springboards for this work. But we also go into past lives and we work on what I call the six lower bodies, the physical, emotional, mental, which we all know about. And then these subtle bodies, the astral, etheric, and causal. And I go into detail in the soul integration book on these different aspects of the self. And as the title implies, soul integration, it's about integrating these six lower bodies so that they're all working together. They're all aligned. And this is the secret of how to be a powerful, creative, spiritual being in the outer world to bring these parts of ourselves into alignment. And uh, so I, I'm not sure if you've read all of the soul integration, maybe you have. Of course <laughs> so, yeah, Getting back to the psychology though, um, whether it's past lives or this life, we're taught that we're not good enough or that we're miserable sinners to go back to the Catholic church, mm -hmm. that somehow we've displeased God and God's angry at us and God's gonna punish us, send us to a fiery pit for all eternity if we don't follow certain rules and commandments. So these are the kind of beliefs that, get, that collect in our subconscious mind and they do carry from life to life uh, through what I call the causal body. So the causal body carries um, our religious programming that, that says, oh, if I don't walk a straight and narrow path, if I think the wrong thoughts, then God's going to punish me. And uh, of course, we know this is an elaborate control mechanism of the church to keep people in line. Uh, it has very little to do with the teachings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Although the Bible is full of distortions, uh, if you read the Old Testament, it's clear that the God of the Old Testament is not the same God of the New Testament. So a lot of, uh, a lot of beings had their hand in, in what's in the Bible. Yeah, but nevertheless, yeah. there's some, some definite pearls of wisdom in there. And, uh, you know, love yourself, love your neighbor, love God. I mean, that's pretty, pretty simple, straightforward advice. And, and it certainly works. So we have to let go of the, I'm not good enough. That's the most popular negative belief on the planet. I'm not good enough. It, it's responsible for the type A personality, the overachiever, the, the one who drives themselves into an early grave, which I you almost so. did. <laughs> yes, that was I almost so. true. <laughs> you had to reevaluate your priorities when you got sick. So. Yeah, and so, so there's, there's I'm not worthy, which is similar, and then there's something is wrong with me, which is the pathological form of, of this belief system. And, and almost all uh, violent criminals in the world today have started out with that belief something is wrong with me. They already believed they were defective in some way, and then they began acting out those defects, those beliefs and defects. And, and that's where a lot of the pathological behavior, psychopathic behavior comes from, is from that belief. And then there's the external ones, like the world is not a safe space. There's three-fourths of humanity believing that one right now. Yeah. Oh, this variant's going to kill us, or this or that. And then, you know, 
after they run out of letters of the Greek alphabet to name all the variants, then they're going to have to maybe name them after Greek gods, you know, the, the, the Zeus variant or something like that, you know. I'm, I'm making fun of, of a serious subject. <laughs> but it's like, you know, there's always boogeymen around the next corner. Oh, it's the Russians, it's the Chinese, it's the Blacks, it's the Whites, it's the Jews, it's the Muslims. You know, there's got to be an enemy somewhere coming in, you know, and the core belief is that the world is not a safe place. And of course, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe you're not safe, you're going to keep creating danger in your life because <laughs> beliefs are powerful because we're powerful, creative, spiritual beings, which is easily proven because if you believe you're powerless, guess what? You'll experience being powerless, which proves that you're powerful. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> So um, there's, uh, there's the uh, belief there's not enough, and you can fill in the blank, not enough time, not enough money, not enough energy, not enough love, not enough talent and ability, you know, so there's not enough is another core negative belief. And then uh, life is a disappointment. There's a good one. Yeah, Maybe we had expectations. The fairy tales told us we were going to become like Cinderella or something when we were little. And then we get married and now we live happily ever after, but a couple of years into the marriage, uh, things start going sour. Familiar story to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> because we have all these impossible expectations of our partner that they can't possibly fulfill. And so now we're disillusioned, disappointed. And so we go running off, getting a divorce, marrying somebody else thinking, oh, well, I just married the wrong person. And then it repeats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I grew up with the belief life was chaos. Life was chaos. And as a result of that, I leaned very hard into the codependency narcissism program and got divorced, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 11 years ago. And then what I ended up finding is that each relationship that I entered into up until 2018, I was stuck in that program. And at that time, I had to take responsibility for how I kept, you know, that I wasn't the victim, that I was responsible for how I kept entering into these relationships and how it went back to my core beliefs. And to break this cycle, I went up to Mount Shasta and spent about 15 weeks in isolation where I went really deep within myself and started having all of these intuitive knowings that uh, were, were beautiful gifts. And it changed my life. It changed the core of my being and the trajectory of my perspective moving forward. So, so that was your 40 days in the desert. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> more than that, more than 40 days. <laughs> yeah, it was, 90, it was like 92 or something. <laughs> Yeah, well, good for you being able to do that. So, so you just came down to get basics into the into the town to get basics and went back up on the mountain. Yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. And I'm sure you've probably visited Mount Shasta. It's the energy. I had an amazing three day experience there back in the 80s. So yeah, <laughs> probably nothing compared to what you went through. It's it's so powerful. The energy there, I felt so connected with my creator and my true self. It, it was mm. just a very beautiful experience. 
Well, I lived in Sedona for five years, so I kind of know what it's like to live in a vortex location. But uh, but that was quite a commitment to be able to spend 15 weeks basically isolated. You were just camping on the side of the mountain, right? Yeah. Well, and to be honest with you, this was the first time in my life, I believe at that time I was probably 42. And this was the first time in my life I had ever actually been alone. I became a second mother at the age of eight, helping raise my younger brothers and then got pregnant, had my first daughter at 19. And so up to that point in my life, I really didn't know who I was and what I was and what I was seeking or needing. And this, what for me was, was the doorway that I needed to enter to discover all of those, those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a wonderful experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm just asking my inner guidance what we should uh, talk about, because I think what people want is some practical tools. Absolutely. They want to know, well, okay, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. Uh, I, I'm fighting with my spouse. I'm having trouble paying my bills. I'm worried about the economic future of the country. I, 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 we go from one uh, inept leader to another, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What can I do as a, as a, as a person, uh, whether you're an American or, or somewhere else in the world? Uh, because it's, you know, I've been to many, many different countries and they all have the same problems. Maybe there's a few variations, you know, from one country to another, but, but, you know, we're all human beings. We all basically have the same issues. And so what can we do to overcome our feelings of powerlessness? I think that's a, that's a big one. So um, the first thing we want to do is remember that the subconscious mind is programmed. It's like, it's like a hard disk. What you put on it is what you have on your computer, basically. Uh, the, the subconscious mind is like the hard drive. The superconscious mind is like the internet. So um, your ability to tune in to various websites is a lot like the ability to tune in to various frequencies of reality that are constantly broadcast from different states of consciousness. Uh, I always say that the two most popular channels are the love channel and the fear channel. And the fear channel is way more popular than the love channel. But they're always broadcasting. Right now, there's a hip-hop station and a classical music station that are broadcasting. But we can't hear them unless we tune our receiver to that frequency. And it's the same thing with our consciousness. Uh, God's love is broadcasting continuously megawatts of, of power available everywhere. There's nowhere in the universe where God's love is not available. But if we don't, if we're not tuned to that station, maybe we're tuned to the fear station instead. I'm afraid of an economic collapse. I'm afraid of government tyranny. I'm afraid of a virus. I'm afraid of Russia. I'm afraid of China, whatever we're afraid of, Mm -hmm. then we're not tuned to the love channel. (laughs) So, so that's one thing is, is, is recognizing who we are. And if we can pretend that we are the higher self and it works because we really are the higher self. So we're not really pretending. It may seem like we're pretending. Well, I'm an all wise child of God capable of creating on a magnificent scale. Well, that sounds really good, but uh, the tax man just came to the door or something like that. So we have to program our subconscious minds because in in that example I just used, maybe 
10% of the mind believes that you're a powerful creator and 90% still believes you're a victim of the system or a pawn in the elite's chess game or something like that. And so you have that, that iceberg that's under the water, which is determining the state of consciousness, which is the subconscious mind. So you, we have to reprogram the subconscious. That's really one of the, the, the basic steps we have to take. And that means surrounding ourselves with positive people to the best of our ability, not easy to do. When three out of four people are dominated by fear, it's not easy to surround yourself with positive people, but it's important. Go to a yoga class, go to a meditation class, watch enlightened videos, uh, study the books of enlightened teachers, practice various holistic healing techniques, call on your spirit guides, your higher beings. Uh, these are all some of the ways which are in the books of reprogramming the subconscious to be more positive, to uh, use the, my favorite affirmation daily, which is I am a powerful creative spiritual being. It's a statement of truth that if you repeat it often enough, it gets ingrained into the subconscious mind and it replaces, I'm not good enough, something is wrong with me, there's not enough, blah, blah, blah. It replaces all that, the more you program it in. And you can use affirmations, uh, but you can also, more effective than that are guided meditations. And uh, as you probably know, I have a bunch of guided meditations on my website and you, there's a lot of different meditation techniques. Uh, try the ones I do, try the ones other people do. Find one that works best for you. But uh, some people do really well with having a set time every day that they meditate. Mm -hmm. Breathing is another key, deep, full breathing. Uh, when the, you get the tax notice in the mail, oh, we found an error on your taxes, you owe us 20,000, uh, make your check payable, blah, blah, blah. Oh, 20,000, well, I just only have 10,000 available, so I don't have enough money. Oh my God, the world is ending, uh, the sky is falling. Oh, wait a minute, let me breathe. Now, breathing alone isn't going to solve your tax problem in that example, but it's going to clear your mind enough that you can find an intelligent response to a challenge, such as the example I gave. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever your challenges are, and we almost all, all of us have some challenge, whether it's a health issue, an uh, in-law that's stubborn and judgmental, whether it's a child that's on drugs, whether it's, uh, you know, the threat of forced vaccinations, whatever it is. Um, we can only approach these issues if we have a clear centered consciousness. Uh, and so that's the most important thing, which starts with breathing, meditation, maybe do some yoga or you know, make sure you're eating good quality food. If you're full of sugar, you're gonna overreact to everything probably. Um, plus you'll probably get sick. Um, people are addicted to comfort foods or they're addicted to television or they're addicted to sex or they're addicted to uh, eating out or whatever it is. There's a million addictions. And so we have to start somewhere. So we start with reprogramming the subconscious mind. Why do I, why am I addicted to food? Well, when I was little, my parents showed love by buying us ice cream cones when we were good little boys and girls. And I got used to feeding myself with sugar in order to feel good about myself. And, 
and then it became an addiction. Now I can't get off the sugar. So there's an example mm -hmm. of, um, again, we're making this practical. Um, right. It's not enough to say we're one with God. Uh, if it was enough to say that, the world would be in paradise. So obviously that's a starting point, but we have to do the work on ourselves. We have to to observe how we react to family and friends. That's a good one to start. You know, which family members push our buttons? Mm -hmm. Why do they push our buttons? How do they push our buttons? We have to go into this a little bit of, just a little bit of psychoanalysis, not a lot, because people can get bogged down in psychoanalysis. It's good to, to use the big picture approach and say, I'm this vast creative spiritual being having a human experience and my human self needs healing and the healing is going to come from out here which is the big self the higher self so we have to put it into perspective mm -hmm. so that's a kind of a short quick synopsis of some of the practical tools I think they're all fabulous tools I think that for majority of the population there's a lot of resistance to leaning into those techniques because they're so uncomfortable. The subconscious, as soon as, you know, I know for myself with my journey, trying to do yoga, trying to do meditation, trying to breathe, these were all significant challenges that were so uncomfortable. I would just give up and self-sabotage and go right back into that negative loop and continue doing all of the self-sabotaging things. And for me, it was a matter of identifying that it wasn't about perfection, that I needed to take baby steps with consistency. And through that consistent practice, it would get easier and I would have the ability to really achieve what I wanted or what I desired from those practices. Exactly. And you mentioned baby steps. Uh, that's a phrase I use frequently because um, people want a quick fix. Today's society, let's just pop a pill and feel better. And th there really is no quick fix. The closest to a quick fix would be living in a state of gratitude. I always say gratitude is really the only shortcut that I've found. If you're grateful for everything, including your health problems, your problems with your child on drugs, problems with a tyrannical government, whatever the problems are, if you're grateful within those problems, then it becomes much easier. You, you move much more quickly along your path uh, with, with a sense of gratitude, because if you're not in gratitude, then you're fighting what is. You're not accepting what is. And that's resistance. Resistance is the uh, unwillingness or inability to accept what is. And that doesn't mean you resign yourself to unacceptable behaviors. You know, if the husband's beating the wife, for example, that's an unacceptable situation. Uh, she needs to find a way out of that situation as quickly as possible. But at the same time, she, need, she can cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Uh, gratitude for little things. It might be the, the days he's not there, you know, being grateful for that. But, but it has to start somewhere. And, you know, that, so that is a quick way to, to, to get moving is to be grateful for everything. And it's hard being grateful for terrorism and, 
you know, murderers, et cetera, you know, that, that's, it's hard to be grateful under those conditions. Uh, and many of us whine and complain about how bad we have it. And then we see a country where children have their limbs blown off in war and stuff like that. And we realize, well, maybe we don't have it so bad after all. <laughs> so sometimes it's just seeing the contrast that allows you to feel grateful. Well, I'm grateful that I don't have bombs dropping on my house. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, those are really great points. I know in my own experience, I have a lot of things that, you know, were unfortunate, we can call it. However, mm -hmm. I've been able to shift my perspective around those events in my life and really offer gratitude for what I had to go through in order to get where I am today. Because without those experiences, I wouldn't have the ability to connect and understand and empathize with others whom are going through some similar circumstances. So I really, really believe strongly into leaning into that gratitude, no matter what you're facing, trying to find something that is for, it's, it's happening for you. You know, this is happening for us. It's not happening to us. We've got to drop out that victim mentality and when I chose, chose to do that work, man, life-changing. And the other side of the coin is knowing when to ask for help because, um, well, okay, we can't do this alone, but we're not alone, mm -hmm. first of all, because we have God and we have our higher self, we have our guardian angels, we have our spirit guides, and we have a tremendous body of knowledge uh, that's on the internet. Um, and in the library, but sometimes we need a therapist or a healer to, to, to get us over a bump. And so knowing when to ask for help, being humble enough to ask for help uh, is also important. And at the same time, not becoming overly dependent on a healer or therapist, uh, as some people do. They, well, they can't do anything without their therapist saying it's okay, or their guru, or their priest or whoever they put into a position of authority. So you have to find that balance between, oh, I have to do it all myself without any help. And, oh, I have to, I have to, my guru said I can take a breath. So now I can take a breath. You know, those are the extremes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in your book, well, in your books, you, you speak a lot about um, duality and the role that duality plays and how that is potentially working for us or working against us. Can you kind of explain a little bit about this concept? Yes, and the best way to explain it is to talk about good and evil. Uh, it can be light and dark, it can be positive and negative, it can be white and black. There's so many dualities, but uh, I think the good and evil one is, is one to, to really focus on because it's a little bit tricky. A lot of people think it's about the light triumphing over the darkness. It's about the, the good guys in the white hats triumph, triumphing over the, the devils or whatever, the you know Lucifer and, and Michael or God and Satan, or whatever you know images or archetypes you want to use to describe the duality. The problem is people think, oh, well, all I have to do is turn from the darkness to the light. And that is an intermediate step. Uh, it's a lot easier to transcend the duality if you're on the positive pole than it is if you're on the negative pole, although it's possible to go from the negative pole to transcendence. Uh, sometimes if people have a really 
intense trauma in their life, they're able to step outside themselves and get clear. But usually you go from negative to positive, then you transcend the duality of positive and negative. And that's the part that I think is tripping a lot of people up. Um, it, God is neutral. I know that sounds really strange to say that, but God is neutral. Um, now, yes, there's an aspect of God that is eternal love, that's unconditional love, that loves no matter what, because God is like the sun. And the sun doesn't care if you're a sinner or a saint. Its job is to shine. Mm -hmm. And it's shining continuously. Even if you're on the other side of the earth where it's nighttime, the sun's still shining. If it's cloudy day, the sun is still shining above the clouds. So God's love is a lot like that. But it, it's not sitting up on a cloud judging you as being good or bad. However, there are natural laws, cosmic laws. And, you know, if you imagine <clears throat> jumping off a tall building and breaking your body and then blaming God and saying, God hates me, God's punishing me. Um, well, no, you, you chose to ignore one of the one of the cosmic laws, the law of gravity. Mm -hmm. And so... That, that's kind of the example that I want to use there. Um, I, I think that uh, recognition of cosmic law is important, but it's not that, that God is judging you or God is punishing you or something like that. It's that you're simply ignorant of the laws of the universe. And there's consequences for ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people think ignorance is bliss. Well, that's really not true. Um, maybe you can be in denial about certain things up to a certain point, but sooner or later, you're, there's going to be consequences for being in denial. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the point. Yeah, gosh, there's, there's so many things. My brain is just going like, whoa, um, there's so many things that I, I really want to talk about. And one of the topics is that of the immune system. In your book, you, in Life on the Cutting Edge specifically, you go into depth and detail about what was to come. And now here we are in those days. And the prediction is, is that a lot of society is going to exit us as a result of immune system failure. Those are the words my guides have been using for 15 to 20 years. And I didn't know uh, the extent to what that meant when they first said that. Now that we have the, the viruses and the vaccines and everything, it's becoming rather clear what they meant by that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and how, so, so can you talk a little bit about how that fear plays a role in weakening the immune system and then how pharmaceuticals and our big food and our mainstream media, how all of these are contributing to that, which is weakening one's ability. Well, to basically you just said it, you know, everything you've mentioned tends to weaken the immune system. And the big question a lot of people are asking is, is this by design or is it through ignorance? Well, maybe it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. um, I, I look clairvoyantly uh, at 
the world and the different people in it. And I see a very small group of people who actually do want to depopulate the earth, who actually want to intentionally kill off large numbers of people. Very small group of people in that group. There's a much larger group of what we would call the elite that want to keep people alive but sick so that they can be uh, dependent on pharmaceuticals, on vaccines and pills and so on. And that puts more money in their pockets and they continue to live on the high on the hog up here, you know, while everybody's struggling down here. So kind of eliminating the middle class is kind of their, their big thing. Um, but let's, let's think about this for a moment. You know, a little bit of research shows that about, there's about 150 different viruses in the human body at any given time, 150 different varieties of viruses. And yet, so how come we're not constantly sick? <clears throat> well, obviously the answer is the immune system. And so what does it take to have a healthy immune system? Every serious healer, doctor, nurse, physician should be ans asking themselves that question or they're not worthy of that medical degree if they're not answering, asking that question. What is the key to a healthy immune system. And I think we have a few of the keys already. Uh, first of all, we know that the diet does make a difference. Uh, the amount of food we eat makes a difference. Uh, most people eat way too much. Uh, my partner and I were just on a retreat a while ago and it was at a resort. And um, <clears throat> it was, you know, 100 degrees out and the pool was busy. And I estimated that 80% of the women and 60% of the men were ob obese. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, but this has become the norm. There are more obese people than there are fit people in America and probably in the UK and Australia and a few other places too. So it's uh, because people eat way too much and the pandemic comes around people get locked in, what are they gonna do? They're gonna eat you know, to try and stuff their feelings uh, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, there's an epidemic of obesity. That's not an overstatement. <laughs> and um, so, so diet is a very important part. Um, taking the right vitamins and minerals in the right doses is also important. And sometimes you have to use a little bit of trial and error because not everybody's body is the same. So you might do well on 3,000 units of vitamin D3, and somebody else might do better on 5,000 units of vitamin D3. And so you have to kind of, you know, work with your body a little bit. Do I, what, what, is, what dose do I feel best on, you know, when it comes to certain vitamins and minerals? As sunshine, getting outdoors, even in the winter, if, if you're in an area where there's a lot of clouds in the winter, then it's still better to get out into nature when you can or take a trip to you know, the Bahamas or someplace to get into a place frequently when you can, if you can afford to, where there's sun and where you can uh, be outdoors. Um, so these are this is common sense stuff, but yet you don't hear very much common sense going on. You hear just about how you need another booster shot or you need to wear a mask for forever and ever, or you need to stay six feet apart. Um, you don't hear much about this. So the biggest issue, of course, is our consciousness, our thoughts. Uh, if we are doing things that bring us joy, if we're doing things that have, where, where we have meaning in our life, if 
or spending time with positive people and, and, and staying away from negative people, these are all factors that are gonna build the immune system. Um, the, the biggest thing, of course, is you know the two word teaching, Socrates, know thyself. Um, really tune in because not everybody's body is the same. Some people can do raw vegan, other people need cooked food, some people need fish or chicken, some people don't, some people can eat dairy, some people shouldn't. Um, so you have to really tune into your body and say, what does my body really want? What do, when do I feel the best inside? So you have to tune in. You can't be totally in your head, worrying about what the boss is gonna say on Monday and then ignoring your body while you sit there eating a whole package of Trader Joe's dark peanut, chocolate peanut butter cups, which happened to be one of my favorites, but I limit myself to one peanut butter cup per day. That's amazing. I am impressed, my friend. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, and I think that it's very difficult for people to tune within because they have self-abandoned for so long. They don't have the ability to really recognize what they're actually doing and the choices that they're making and how it's, it's contributing to their overall well-being we tend to use mechanisms to cope. So for instance, during the pandemic, when we were in lockdown, I specialize working with mental health and substance abuse recovery. And the census went through the roof and we're talking people whom have never had a drop of alcohol in their lives becoming alcoholics. And the root for their behavior was that fear, that uncertainty, that unknown. They didn't know how to soothe themselves. So they were looking for substances, whether it's food, sugar, nicotine, alcohol, you know, other recreational drugs. These became rampant. And it amazed me that during the pandemic, we have uh, food shelters being shut down, yet liquor stores are deemed essential on every corner, especially in, you know, certain demographics. It, it's, it was frightening. It, it makes it understandable that people would think that there's an intention to harm people, whether there actually is or not. It would make sense that people would think that, you know, based on the behavior of government officials. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, human contact is so important and social distancing. You know, if, it, if this were the Black Plague and it was the first two weeks of the outbreak, I could understand, you know, the flatten the curve may kind of make sense. You know, it's we don't know how deadly this is. Let's play it safe. Let's Let's, let's be really careful for, for a few weeks until we understand that, that what this really is. But it's been around for a year and a half now and people are still, healthy people are still wearing masks. You know, if you're sick and you're coughing and sneezing and you have a virus, it maybe makes sense to have a mask on. But, you know, anyone else, you know, unless you're a surgeon or something, right. it well, makes no well, sense at all. And here we are, you know, a year and a half into this and now we've got this third wave that they're promoting and I know in certain parts of California where I'm at they've already reenacted the mask laws other states are starting to adopt that and so it's really creating a lot of fear and division amongst people you've got the vaxxers the non-vaxxers you know we've got so much going on 
Yeah, and it's, you know, these are serious issues. There is some real danger involved, especially with forced vaccinations. My, my spirit guides told me uh, right when they started this, that the vaccines would end up killing 10 times as many people as the virus. You know, that, and they, they even came out with a number. They said it's two tenths of 1% uh, for the virus and it's 2% for the vaccines that, that, that either are seriously damaged or die from, from the, the virus or vaccine, which is 10 times as many. And uh, of course, we're, we're told about some of them. You know, what the latest number is, is there's been like 12,000 official deaths in the United States. And they say that's between one and 10% of the actual number. So that means it's between 120,000 and 1.2 million people that have died from the vaccines in the United States. Uh, it's probably closer to 120,000, but still that's a lot. Yeah, it is. And when, the, when my guide said 2%, that's 160 million people worldwide that could die from vaccines. That's a large number. That is, that is, yeah, absolutely. You know, when this whole virus came about last January, there was this intuitive feeling within me that was getting really just not accepting. I, I was having a really difficult time. I, everyone was trying to make a big deal out of it. And I'm like, this is bullshit. This is just bullshit. And I happened to be in Canada when we went into lockdown and had to make the decision to get on a plane and fly back. And I remember sitting on that plane being so angry and not really understanding why I was angry about this situation. And I've had to really do a lot of work to lean into the love. It's been a challenge for me uh, as we've gone through this last year and a half. It's it's really been a challenge to stay connected with myself and try to lean into that love, have compassion for individuals whom, you know, have maybe very different perspectives than myself. I feel, I feel as if um, it's difficult to speak our truths because there is so much criticism, cancel culture, shaming that's happening right now, but I feel very called to have to speak my truth, which is, you know, a big reason why I wanted to have you as a guest so that we could talk about these concepts and hopefully maybe inspire someone whom is on that cusp and has that feeling within them that something just isn't right, but they don't have the, the confidence to use their discernment and really look at the bigger picture of what's happening here. You're right, exactly. And of course, if you are able to stay in your center and stay in a clear, calm mind, you'll, you'll see different options that may become available to people uh, regarding the, the specter of mandatory vaccines. And, you know, these range from getting the shot and learning how to transmute it, which is certainly possible, to bugging out or making yourself psychologically invisible so that they pass right by you and don't try to inject you. That's what I'm to, aiming for. 
to setting up your life in such a way that you don't need to rely on the grid system or the matrix any more than absolutely necessary, whether that means somebody, someone who's vaccinated buys your food for you or you learn to go without food for long periods of time or you become a prepper and you store food. So there's all these different possible options of moving to a country that refuses to mandate vaccines is another one. It's still possible to travel to a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. um, so these are possibilities. Um, the, the, the psychological invisibility is one that, that some of the listeners are probably thinking, well, what does he mean by that? It's, it's not physical invisibility, although it may be possible at some point to raise your vibration high enough that you become physically invisible. That's, that's possible. Uh, probably not likely uh, anytime soon for us, but but psychological invisibility, I've seen that happen. I've seen, the, I used to know somebody who would walk in the most dangerous of neighborhoods as he went to service his clients who lived there. And he was never worried about being attacked or you know, hurt in any way because he was practicing psychological invisibility. And if he walked past a group of thugs on the street corner, um, they would, in their mind, it would register a human being just walked by, but there would be no engagement because they were at two completely different levels of vibration. So there was nothing attracting them to one another. Yeah. Uh, the law of attraction has three components. You either attract people that are at a similar vibration to you, or you attract people that are there to teach you or that are there to learn from you. Mm -hmm. And so if you attract somebody who's at a very negative, low vibration and you're at a high vibration, it's because probably that person wants to learn from you. They want to be raised up. Uh, and so, but, but otherwise, there's no reason why you would attract low vibrational people unless you have low vibrational thoughts in your subconscious that you haven't cleared. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you're really, really angry at Jews, for example. Um, you might attract situation after situation in your life where Jews seem to be the bad guy, you know, or something like that. Right. Um, so, you know, then once you let go of that, then maybe Jews become your friend or you're not around them or whatever. Yeah. So in your book, Earth Awakens, you, you speak a lot about this psychological invisibility and I know within my own experience, one of the ways that I've really been able to step more into that was turning off the news. After 9-11 in 2001, I was glued to my TV. I grew up in a household where CNN was pumping in the background at all times, just programming the subconscious to be in a state of fear at all times. And so after three weeks of being debilitated and paralyzed, sitting on the couch, just glued to the TV, I said, Heather, enough is enough. We can't do this. We've got to go on with our lives. And in that moment, that's when I chose, I don't need mainstream media to tell me how my life is going to go. Turned that TV off and never. never now that's another very simple, practical thing, because this is not 1984. There's still an off button on that television. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this applies to social media as well. I think that social media has kind of become the new mainstream media where we have these individuals who are just constantly promoting and sharing very fear-based messages. And I, I had to, you know, 
delete those kind of applications from my phone. I limit- And it's tricky too, because uh, the alter alternate media, um, you have to use discernment no matter what. You have the extreme right, extreme left, you have doom and gloom, you have what they call hopium, which is the opposite of doom and gloom, where, oh, you know, Trump's gonna save us, just don't worry about anything. <laughs> exactly. We, saw, we see how that panned out, right? <laughs> <laughs> didn't work so well. And, and sometimes you get enigmas, like there's a guy called the Health Ranger, you've probably heard of him. Mm -hmm. um, and he's extreme right wing doom and gloom on one level, but on another level, he's very holistically aware and, and you know, and has a lot of knowledge about holistic health. And so it's like, well, take the part that works and discard the rest. <laughs> yeah, ab yes, absolutely. I think that's an important point. I know after reading your book, Earth Awakens, it really gave me a lot of hope and inspiration for myself and, and where I'm going in the future, dealing with these current circumstances. Definitely looking for property to get off the grid, get back to the basics, become self-sustainable. Mm -hmm. You offer so much practical advice in your books. You have, you know, you really, I just felt like it was such an incredible gift to have come across your work. It, it's so, so beautiful. And it really helped me understand where I'm at how I can take this information and apply it to my cur current circumstances to help support my continued ascension process. I definitely do not want to experience physical death and then have to be incarnated on a lower, a, a third density planet and have to do it all over again. That is just, you know, definitely not my goal. Well, I think we can set our intention and there are various tools for that. There's one called reverse timeline healing, which is a manifesting technique. I'm not gonna go into it in depth today, but um, I guess before we uh, close, I should mention uh, my website is my first initial and my last name. So I think that the, uh, viewers can see my my name in the corner of the window. So if you take the first, uh, the S of, of Salvatore and you, you mix it with the last name, uh, that's uh, at, that's 66 S Rickelli, it's pronounced Rickelli, S Rickelli 66 at gmail.com is the uh, website. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and write that in the chat window. Oh, that's my email, actually. My website is just my name.com. I will make sure to include all of that information in the show notes when I release the um, the podcast episode, so it makes it easy for the audience to find you. Yeah, I just have a little thing of caption at the bottom. It is, yeah. And the books, I'll, I'll mention the books, just there's seven books now, um, Life on the Cutting Edge, second edition. Uh, and then there's Earth Changes uh, and Beyond. The, the titles changed a little bit on those first two. And then Earth Awakens and then Soul Integration, The Real History of Earth, The Mystery of Time, and the latest book of Secrets of Unlimited Energy. So those are the seven books. Um, they're available in various places. Some of them are available on Amazon, although I, I don't really like Amazon that much, so I, I don't really promote Amazon. Um, they're available on my website. Um, the first two are on, first three books are, are uh, PDF files. And then all the other ones are available as hard copy uh, paperback editions. Um, anything more you want to ask me about before? 
No, I just want to thank you so much for your time and the information. You truly are an inspiration. I really am grateful for the work that you have have been doing for so long. I have so much admiration for you to, to, to be where you're at. And it gives me hope that I will have the ability to do the same. So thank you very much. And I encourage all of the audience listeners to definitely go to Sal's website. And if you're interested in learning more and um, having exposure to the things that we've talked about today, definitely purchase from his website versus Amazon. We have to support one another. Um, we've got to you know, find a way to get out of this capitalistic trap that we have been consumed in in so long. And God bless Jeff Bezos. Yes. <laughs> he, he's, he's giving us a great example of how not to be. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, Sal, thank you so much. I will make sure that we make it easy for everyone to find you. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.